back, everybody, to another edition of Hey Fightin' Podcast with Jake Hester, Cody Worsham. Hey, before we get started, um, Mr. Hester, which is what I've started calling you now for some reason, I don't know. What, proper, what, I appreciate it. Like, what, what is, like, the the worst thing that I could call you? Is it, like, Jake? You, like, hate Jake? No, so actually, it's funny that you ask. All my friends actually call me Jake. Okay. Like, if you called me Jacob, that would be weird. Okay, which so is, like I guess, Jacob. what kind of LSU fans obviously know me. Yeah. But, because they, they say your full name anytime you're a player, but I am definitely a Jake, not okay. a Jacob. What about like 18? Like, do you like being called 18? Do you think it's cheesy? No, I like it. It's okay. fine. Hey, it, if you're getting called, you know, something that, that a lot of people view as a positive, it's okay. Uh, you know, 1 8 is, is what uh, Greg Stringfellow calls me. So, you know, I'll answer to anything. I mean, my, dad, my dad used to call me Tubbo. Tubbo. That, okay, that's, that's what he's still going with then. He still calls me <laughs> Tubbo because I was a large baby. And he called me Tubbo, so he's still like he'll call me today. And like, oh, hey, what's up, Tub? Yeah, Tubbo is where I'm going. Yeah. How how large of a baby are we talking about? Do we know like the weight? Uh, you know, I don't know the weight, okay. but I do know there was a husky tag on the back of my jeans. <laughs> that that I I know for sure. Uh, I was eight pounds eight ounces. So I need you to go consult your birth certificate, find out how big you are. Okay, I was I was probably somewhere around there, and all of my boys have been past that, so. No Herman Johnson, but no, uh, no Herman. But still. Did you know he's the uh, biggest baby ever? Really? In Louisiana? You really? ever heard that before? Haven't heard that okay. in forever. <laughs> Do we know anything about Kramer Robertson's mom? Do we uh, have that no. information at hand? No. All right, uh, Jake, a.k.a. Tubbo, <laughs> uh, I got a few things that I want to get into today. The obvious place to start is uh, with 7 and 18, LSU makes the announcements. Hold on, time out. I'm going to interrupt myself, by the way, and I think I just tricked all our listeners. That was unintentional, but I think it might work. While we're here, I want you to do this because people listen to me, but they really listen to you. Can you tell all of our loyal, dedicated listeners to subscribe to the podcast, to rate the podcast, and review the podcast, please? Yeah, uh, subscribe to the Hey Fighting Podcast. Go ahead and hit like all the bells, all the whistles, everything that alerts you when we actually come on so you know you have all the up-to-date information. It's the best LSU podcast out there. It's a no-brainer. Just do it. I don't know if you knew this. It's actually the only LSU football podcast. Like, there aren't any other. Isn't see, that crazy? Well, see, that's why you need to talk less because I was just saying it was the best podcast out there. And you didn't have to come and say it was the only podcast out it's, there. It's see? the only because it would have been true that it's the best podcast. We have no competitors. Okay, I, I see what you're. You see what I'm saying? Here. Yeah. I'm so blind to the competition that I don't even see them. Okay. So I, I'm pretty sure we're the only one. Uh, but you can subscribe to the Hanging with Hester and Hanny. I have trouble saying that. Does that take time to get used to Hanging with Hester and Hanny? We we actually played around with it. You know, Triple H. You know, we we thought does that catch on? Does does uh you know do enough people? Watch wrestling to know who Triple H yeah, the wrestler. Yeah. You know what was his name? Hunter Hearst Hemsley, I believe. That, that's a long time. Yeah, ago. I don't know. I, trying to go not, not too far back. Never was a wrestler in my guy. brain. I, yeah, I, not either. So I, I tried there. So yeah, hanging with Hester and Hanny. It, it, it's catching. Speaking of wrestling, and we'll get into the seven and eighteen stuff in a second, but I'm getting distracted here, and I just kind of want to jump around. Uh, yesterday we put out a billboard, LSU football. That did, did you see the billboard? Billboard, you. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So it said, "Are you ready?" And I got some feedback on this billboard. Now, this billboard copy, I didn't necessarily write the billboard, but it's based on some copy that I wrote for the first hype video, which, by the way, hype videos will be back. Um, they come back on Thursday this year. As always, people have been asking me about those. They'll be back those, on Thursday. Were those popular last year? They were popular. And uh, I just want to say this. Before we get into this season, the biggest reason those were popular last year is because the team was amazing. So if the team is amazing again this year, 
they will be popular again. I just want to say that because people like to uh, ascribe too much credit where credit is due. Yes, Will Stout did a phenomenal job on those videos. He deserves all the credit for his talent. They certainly took those videos to the next level. Derek Panamski did a great job lining up the talent. That obviously took it to another level. But it's really hard to make a hype video for a team that goes 0-15 as opposed to 15-0. <laughs> I guess you can't go 0-15. That's impossible. You can. You that's, play yes. that many games. In the NFL, you can. Yes. Yeah. So I just want to always say that if the hype videos are good, it's because the team is really good. I just wanted to yeah. – Put that out there. Not to that, that's not to diminish the. Yeah, the, the guy who writes of, the script does a pretty good job too. No, nah, he's a he's an absolute bum. Anyway, script. Um, the billboard said, "Are you ready?" And it's based off of the script for the first hype video. And I saw Ole Miss fans, or I found out this morning actually that Ole Miss fans were getting upset about that. Do you know why Ole Miss fans would get upset about a billboard that says "Are you ready"? Please enlighten. Okay, me. I'm glad that you don't know because I had no idea this was was a thing. Apparently, that's like an Ole Miss thing. Like they say it before every game. They say it before kickoff or something. And, like, they, if you go look at the LSU football Twitter account, they're all in the mentions. Like, oh, that's our thing. You can't have it. I have never heard that in my entire okay, life. Okay, so obviously I grew up an LSU fan, so I've seen a lot of LSU Ole Miss games. And I, I was a player for four years. I've covered the team since. And I think I've been to every LSU Ole Miss game for, like, you know, the last ten years. Never in my life have I heard that. Never. Now, I do remember being, not to diminish Ole Miss, but – Look, we all like diminishing Ole Miss here at LSU. Um, that's a joke. But when we were there last year, like I remember being on the field before the game, and they're like playing. They have like their documentary series or whatever, right. and it was really loud and it was kind of weird because there was nobody there and they're playing it really loud. That's the only thing I remember from being at Ole Miss. Also, the press food, press box food was not good. They had. Do you remember what they served in the press box? They yeah, tried. There. Yeah, no, I was, they tried gumbo. It, it was either I can't see. You might be right. It's either gumbo or jambalaya. But it was some kind of liquidy rice. That it was an attempt at gumbo. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. That's the only things that I remember about that. I, and I can't tell. I can't tell if they were trying to like flex or they were trying to be serious. Like, hey, the Louisiana team's coming. Let's make some gumbo. Or yeah. hey, we're going to be really bad at making a dish that they make really well. Yeah, I think LSU used to do that back in the day when I was on the beat. Like Florida would come and they'd serve like gator, like yeah. alligator pecan sauce, pecan or something like that. I don't think we've done that much anymore. That won't be back this year. But anyway, I didn't know Are You Ready was an old Miss the thing. The only thing that when I hear Are You Ready, let's take it back again to wrestling, is uh, DX. Like their little theme yes. song is like, Are You Ready? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's why I was making the wrestling connection there. No, And, and here's where I'm going to end on this. No matter what Ole Miss says on Twitter, Are You Ready is not an Ole Miss thing. It's just not. It's too generic of a phrase. It's been used before. You may say it. But it's not yours, and I just wanted to get that out of the way. Okay, let's get to the point here because we have <laughs> dilly-dallied. And we have, it's what uh, we do, though. It's what yeah, we do. It's it, fine. It, that's what the podcast platform is for. 7 and 18. Okay, so I'll start from my perspective, um, and then we'll go to your perspective, which is much more important because you are the uh, the godfather of 18. Would you call yourself the godfather of 18? Is that a accurate descriptor? Because I know you were the second one, but really the second one – is the one who starts it, not the first one. The second one is. Do I get to be Marlon Brando in this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then yes, I'll take that. Okay, so the Godfather of yeah. eighteen, but of course, I like a lot of people probably was surprised by the eighteen and seven announcement because I had been preparing in my mind for Jacoby Stevens to be number eighteen. It just seemed like a fit. You got the ball rolling at the parade last year when you said, "Hey, he looked." Yeah, good I kind of shot my shot. <laughs> on, uh, on that one. You said he looked good in eighteen. And maybe he would have been if Jamar Chase days and seven wasn't available. Or maybe he would have gotten the defensive seven since you can have one on each side of the ball, which is something they've done for 18. I don't think they've ever done that for seven, though, in the same season. But regardless, we'll start with seven, then we'll get to 18. 
Jacoby gets number seven. Why was that a good fit for him? Why does he live up to the seven billing in your mind? So when I think of number seven at LSU, I think ultimate playmaker, and I think game changer as well. And we've seen it, and we can go back. I mean, Burt Jones, Ollie Highsmith, Patrick Peterson, Honey Badger, DJ Shark, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, Grand. I mean, we could list them all, right? And that's what I think of. I think of ultimate game changer, a guy that you know he's going to be in every single play, the opposing offense or defense is going to know exactly where he's at, and you better make sure that you know where he's at because he's coming, and he's coming full bore. So I think that he's the perfect guy because when I think of a Bo Pelini defense, now he could have worn 18 as well, just like you said. like Very very rare situation. I don't really know if we've ever had a situation when yeah. a guy kind of qualified for, for both, in my mind, and what those numbers mean. But Jacoby Stevens was a guy – that definitely qualify for both. But going back to it, in a Bo Pelini defense, I just think LaRon Landry. I think Chad Jones. I think aggressive safeties that you don't know where they're lining up, and you better figure it out fast because if you don't, they'll hit you like LaRon Landry did so many times, like Chad Jones did so many times. I mean, think about how many memories we have of LaRon Landry hitting an Alabama quarterback, Quite of Chad Jones hitting an Alabama quarterback. I mean – those are some of my best memories from my playing time at LSU. That's what I think Jacoby Stevens does for this LSU defense. And so once Jamar Chase moved on and declared for the draft, it made sense that he could fit into that number because as you look at it, you know, there's some other candidates on the team, but I think they're younger guys. And so this is a old savvy vet that fit into the number seven. I don't think LSU just gives it if you didn't have Jacoby Stevens. It probably wouldn't have been a seven this year. Yeah, that that was my thinking. I didn't think they would do a seven, and that was – Every week when we put out mailbag questions, that was like the top question we yeah. would get. Who's going to wear seven? Who's going to wear eight, 18? I just figured they wouldn't give, give out a seven. But Jacoby lives up to the billing. This is something I've shared before, but he was one of two players in the country last year with five sacks, five PBUs, and three interceptions. The other guy was Isaiah Simmons, who we saw in the national championship game and top 10 who, who ended up being a top 10 yeah. pick. So that's good company to be in, and he's the only one back with those kinds of uh, – of credentials to his name. So I think Jacoby will thrive there and uh, and do great with seven. All right, let's get to 18. Uh, Chris Curry, Damone Clark. I think another, from the outside at least, these are names that I've heard before, certainly names that you've heard before as potential 18s. I think from the outside looking again, it may have been surprising because, you know, they're not, I think sometimes people think 18, they think senior, they think fourth right. year guy. And, you know, they're, they're thinking of, um, of guys who have been around for going into their, you know, their fourth year at LSU or whatever the case may be. Then I think they're also thinking of guys who have produced more on the field. And I don't think that's – you tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it's more of a combination of, yes, the playing aspect, but also the – I think Coach O kind of talks about it as this all-encompassing everywhere you are, you're representing LSU to the fullest degree, whether it's being on time for class, whether it's making good grades, whether it's treating people right in the training room, treating people right – when you're walking around the facility, uh, looking them in the eye, that kind of thing. And I think Damone Clark and Chris Curry are perfect embodiments of that. And personalities, I think the biggest thing is LSU fans don't know their personalities quite yet because they just haven't played enough, and there were so many guys ahead of them last year on the depth chart. But you've seen snippets of it. And if you listen to the last podcast, you got to experience it firsthand. But, I mean, just like two guys that when you walk into a room, they make eye contact, it's yes, sir, it's yes, ma'am, they shake your hand. Uh, they're polite. They're on time. They're just good people to be around. And to me, that that 
that feels like what 18 should be. And so here's the deal with 18. I kind of get chills when, when I think about it, when you start talking about it like that, because you're exactly right. Like everything you just said is exactly right. And when I would have conversations, you know, with leadership over at LSU throughout this process, they kept telling me it's going to be hard not to give it to one of these two guys. And like you said, those names probably weren't what the fans were thinking. They were probably thinking other names. But I'm talking about six months. For the last six months, every time I talked, I'm like, God, it's going to be really hard not to give it to Curry. It's really hard not to give it to Damone. And so it's not a surprise to me. I, I'm I, I'm not a, a, um, a person who cares if it's one or two either. If you have two guys that deserve 18, I think that's a good sign of your football team. That means that you have true leaders that you couldn't decide who to give it to. So I am completely fine with there being two. Uh, but kind of going back to what you said about what it means, it's not just while you're at LSU. Like when you make that decision, it's for the rest of your life. Like the last thing that you ever want is a number 18 five years from now ending up in the news because he did something and got himself in trouble. Yeah. So when you make this decision, when you get into the group, it's, okay, is he going to be good at LSU? Is he going to be good 10 years from now? What's he going, you know, what what is the whole game look like, not just the first play? And uh, I can't think of two guys that I would trust more with that. And we added them to the, the group text earlier this week, so they're already in there. And, and some years that changes. Some years, you know, you put them in right at the beginning. Uh, Foster Moreau is a guy we put in right at the beginning. Uh, you know, other guys, it's, hey, they're focusing on the season. Let's just let them, you know, play it out a little bit. I, I know Lloyd, we added Lloyd and Caleb Vaughn a little bit later last year. But with all this uncertainty, we were so excited to find out who it was. We added them to uh, the group chat. And just like Foster, just like Lloyd and, and Caleb Vaughn, they had a great message about what it means for them to be able to wear the number. So uh, I think a lot of people do need to realize when we make this decision, when we talk about the names, it's, hey, we got to know for the rest of this person's life that they yeah. are going to hold up the standard of wearing number 18 at LSU because it doesn't go away. Like It doesn't go away just because your playing career is over. I mean, this is still something that, that people like to talk about with me, with Dixon, with Mock, with uh, you know Christian Lockett. I mean, everybody. Everybody that wore the number, it lasts Really, I mean, for the rest of your, uh, yeah. your of your time. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a brand for sure. Uh, a couple of behind the scenes stories that I wanted to tell about these these guys. First, with Jacoby, um, I, I think I joked about this with Jacoby on the podcast, but basically, when as he was going through the NFL draft process, one of the quote unquote knocks on him from scouts, the feedback was that he wasn't flashy enough, that he wasn't you know a big enough playmaker, I guess, or whatever. And he took that personally. Like yeah. he he really does. Jacoby is uh, incredibly intelligent, and he doesn't. He'll he'll hear the criticism. You know, some guys, Coach O, for example, says block out the noise, right? Right. For Jacoby, he uses the noise as fuel. So I think he heard that. So him getting seven to me is great because, as dumb as it is, like as dumb as it would seem, just a guy wearing a number would change perceptions of him. Uh, as dumb as that would seem on the surface level, it really does. Like it really does change your perception. And now NFL scouts are going to look at Jacoby Stevens and say, hey, that's that's an LSU 7. He He's a playmaker. Without question. And you either rise to the occasion of that number or you can't handle it. Yeah. And that might seem harsh, but that's just the fact. When you are given that number, there is a standard that is expected from you. And NFL scouts absolutely see that, hey, we were, we're you know we had this question about this guy. Okay, LSU did what? They gave him 7. Okay, that, that answers it for us. And just like, and I'm always going to go back to the story. I remember when the Philadelphia Eagles were drafting uh, Benny Logan and they got to the character part of what they were asking ar- around town. 
and they literally got to it and said, oh, he wore 18 LSU. We, we can move on. Yep. And it, it was that quick. And that that's what those numbers mean. They mean something. And I think everybody's really starting to figure out as each and every year it gets passed down that, okay, man, this is what we have to expect from this number. And are the expectations extremely high? They are. But you have to grasp that and you have to know, okay, now I'm wearing seven. Now I'm wearing 18. This is what I have to do. This is the bare minimum. I can't fall below this. I can't allow the pressure to become too much or it will expose you. You know, as you were talking about it, it made me think of soccer. Like people, people, um, we joke always about, find our way. Yeah, no, I had to. <laughs> um, one day, like we'll make a bet to see who can go longest without mentioning soccer. But people, I've, I've seen commentary. I've heard people talk about it. Oh, the numbers, you know, the numbers thing is overdone. It's old. It's overplayed, whatever. I, and I get that, but it's kind of like soccer. Like if you see someone wearing ten, like you know what their role is on yep. a soccer. They are they are a playmaker. If you see them wearing nine, you know their role. They are a striker. They're a goal uh, a goal scorer. And that that was kind of a tradition in soccer that started way back when it first started. They literally would number them by position, and and it sort of became its own thing. I like that LSU has that. I don't know of how many schools have that element to it, and it just. To me, it's tradition. It connects people, and uh, I, I'm just a huge fan of it. One Chris Curry story. You have something yeah, you want to say just, there? Just real quick, yeah, too, to to your point. It happened organically. It wasn't something that was forced. Both numbers, both numbers. The seven, as you started to realize who was wearing it, it just felt like, okay, this is this is something because the guys that are wearing this number are making plays. Eighteen. Yeah. It kind of happened organically. You know, Mike just had a conversation with Greg and Jack and other people, and. I was able to wear it, and then we just had conversations about making it, you know, something where we pass it down, and Dixon got it. It wasn't something that was forced, yeah. which makes it authentic. Yeah, and authentic is always the way to go, um, especially with LSU, where I think we're the most authentic program in all of college football, and I'd say that if I worked for LSU and if I didn't. Uh, Chris, Quick Chris Curry story. The When I first heard about him being as a, a guy for 18, was it wasn't like, hey, he's in the running for 18. It was this guy could end up being an 18 one day. It was during the offseason, and they were telling the story of how Chris Curry got into the Oklahoma game and earned the starting job. And I don't want to go into all the details because some of it's probably relatively private. But basically, it's complex because there's moving parts. But basically, the genesis of it was he was such a good guy in the locker room, uh, in class, and tutoring with the training staff, with the strength staff, that Coach O was approached by people saying, hey, let's give Chris a shot. Yeah. Just because of his character. Now, obviously, there's some talent there that has to be, you know, you've got to be talented enough to be in that position. I'm not saying that, you know, he's less talented than the guys that he got ahead of or that he was a, uh, not talented enough to beat them out. He certainly was, and he proved that in the game. But his character is what gave him the edge. And, it, again, that's not to knock the, the other two guys. He's just been that exceptional as an upperclassman, as a guy that's been in the program, that they said, hey, let's let's give this guy a shot. He's He's done a great job behind the scenes. Let's see what he can do. On the field now. Then he had a great week of practice. Then Joe Burrow basically went to the – I think this has been reported on. If it hasn't, I'm reporting on it now, but I'm pretty sure it has. Joe Burrow basically went to the coaching staff and was like, hey, Chris, give Chris – the like I trust Chris. Let's, let's, right. give him, let's give him the shot. And then he took it. But it just goes to show that that can be the difference maker. I think you're exactly right because when he came into that game, a lot of people on the outside of the program thought it was going to be somebody else. And, you know, not to say the other guys couldn't have done a great job – but he earned the right, and he earned the right from the running back coach, from the offensive coordinator, and then you know the head coach bought in because all the people around the offense said, no, this has got to be the guy. And uh, in this day and age of college football, when everybody takes their ball and goes home, if they don't start the first day they're on campus, 
I can always appreciate a guy that doesn't complain, runs on the scout team for two years before he gets his opportunity. When he gets that chance, he makes the most of it. And prior to that, he didn't complain about not being the guy because you realize, look, you're at LSU. You're at a marquee program. You've got to earn your stripes. You can't just walk in here and play. Now, do some people do it? Absolutely. But it's more of you got to be a guy that works his butt off, you know, gives the defense a look, whatever it might be, doesn't complain. And then when it's your opportunity, people remember stuff like that. They remember the grind that you went through to get to that point. And Chris Curry definitely went through it. I mean, he's on scout team last year. Yeah. This guy was a scout team running back. The week before he played in the national semifinal, he yeah. was the scout team running back. And that just tells you what kind of person he is. And then the quick Damone Clark story, I shared this on, on the last podcast too. First, his mom is the new star of the podcast. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> yes. it yet, but the video was on LSU football. Oh, it's so good. My, my mom called me as soon as she heard it. It was it was unbelievable. Again, my wife, who I reference every now and then, does not care about football at all. She couldn't name two players on the team this year. She doesn't watch sports. It's just not her thing. I showed her that, and she was like, she was laughing and then kind of like tearing up mm-hmm. too because it was just such a cool moment. But I, I shared this on the last one. Damone, I went and did a yoga story last year on Shelly Mullenix, who was teaching a yoga class. And Damone was like, it was all specialists and walk-ons and like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of this mishmash of like, man, eh, there's nobody really here. And then Damone walked in and I was like, all right, we got a position player. And, you know, I was asking somebody about it and they said, Damone does everything. If there's a chance for Damone to get better, he's there. He's not to get into the cliches, but like he's literally watching film all the time. Right. He's in the defensive walkthrough room all the time. He is the guy that basically lives in the facility. It's kind of that Devin White mentality, um, very different personality from Devin but just that kind of mentality and any chance that he has to get better, if it's yoga, he's going to do it. If it's, you know, meditation, he's going to try it. Like right. he'll try anything if it'll help him on the football field. And I think that's part of the approach that got him the number. I think so as well. And I've heard the same type of things. Now this isn't a guy that is necessarily the loudest on the football field, but that doesn't mean anything. You can be a leader a number of ways. And he is definitely a, like you mentioned, by example, leader, if the doors are open, he's in there. If it's optional, it's mandatory for him. And Bo Pelini loves him. I had Bo Pelini on, on my show really like the, the second week he was here. And without even asking him names, that's the first name that he brought up. And so you can tell he's already caught the coach's eye as well. And, and he's a versatile player when you start talking about on the field. We've seen him do a couple of different things. He's lined up on the edge as a rusher. This year he's going to be the Mike linebacker. And – I can put it out there on Twitter once I found out who the 18s were. One thing you can you can bet on, there's going to be some shots given by the number 18s on offense and <laughs> defense. Sure. They are bringing the boom because you're never going to have to worry about physicality with these two number 18s. Yeah, they can they can hit. They uh they, they certainly bring that to the position. Okay, uh let's get into um the depth chart because the depth chart was announced yesterday. I I don't think there's any surprises there. I think we've kind of known all along because Coach O is so transparent that this is basically what it's going to be. I mean, maybe you could say Keishon Butte starting, but Coach O talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, to me, the biggest standout was Ali Gay getting the start at left end, and that's something that I kind of was thinking could happen just because I've been out at a couple practices. I've mm-hmm. seen him. He looks the part. Another guy that you hear high character comments about um, – to me, other than that, not a lot of surprises. Did anything stand out to you when you looked at it for the first time? I thought it was funny. There was a couple of national outlets that you know, ran with the story. Miles Brennan wins the uh, starting quarterback job at LSU. <laughs> and I was like, guys, where have y'all been? Uh, this, you know, the, the freshmen are talented, but this wasn't exactly 
a, a competition, but uh, n- nothing really surprised me. I, I think you start talking about some of the freshmen that were on the depth chart. It's guys that we've talked about and guys that I expect to play a lot were kind of listed as or because they're going to be considered stars. Like when you look at the safety position, I, I consider Todd Harris, Maurice Hampton, and Jacoby Stevens all starters. Yep. I know this is a 4-3 defense, but playing against the Pirate in week one, you might not see a snap of 4-3 because you're going to be in your sub packages. You're going to have a nickel. You're going to have extra defensive backs on the field. And I think I told, I think it was two or three weeks ago on the podcast, I was talking about just being excited to see where everybody lines up in those sub packages on defense. You know, who is in the slot? Because we, you know, assume it's going to be Cordell Flott, but, you know, Jay Ward can make an appearance in the slot. I think there's moving pieces because you have guys that can do multiple things. And I think the emergence of, of Maurice Hampton and getting Todd Harris back is so key for obviously, you know, them being really good players, but you can do more with Jacoby Stevens. When you have a veteran, Todd Harris, like I think people kind of forget he was a starter on the national championship team before he got hurt. Yeah. He was a starter in 2018. So this is a guy that has been a starter as a young player at LSU. Now he's back and he is healthy. That gives you so much flexibility with what you can do with Jacoby. Hey, on this play, we want to put Jacoby on the edge because he's done that in his LSU career. Hey, on this play, we want to send Jacoby right at the A-gap and play coverage with Todd, and he allows you to do that. I thought they missed that last year at the beginning parts of the season. Grant Delpit couldn't do what he did the year before because you were trying to figure some things out in the back end. Yeah, a couple other things that kind of stood out to me looking at it. Um, because the surprise, the, the, the starters weren't necessarily surprises, kind of looking at the, the guys behind the starters, um, one thing that stood out to me is we knew Jabril Cox was going to start at uh, at the that the what would you call it? is that the Mike linebacker technically? Well, he's gonna he's play more like a, a Sam uh, linebacker, but it, it's almost like a nickel Sam. Yeah, because now with the way he plays. Yeah, um, but right behind him is Devontae Lee, and what stood out to me about that is that's two really athletic guys. Devontae Lee was a guy who played wide receiver last year. He's making the move. He's still learning the position, but that gives you a lot of athleticism. Um, still at the linebacker spot, and then looking at the the defensive line in particular. Neil Farrell starts off as kind of the third defensive tackle behind Glenn Logan and Joseph Evans, who they're considering kind of co-starters at that one defensive tackle spot. And then you have uh, Apuaika at the other defensive tackle spot. Um, but behind them, uh, seeing Neil Farrell there, but then, then looking at the end position, B.J. Ojolari is a guy that's listed yeah. as the second end behind Andre Anthony, but might be a guy, and maybe we'll talk about this in a second when we get to some of these over-unders, might be a guy who plays starter snaps because yeah. he's going to be your best pass, pass rusher. So, a lot of depth there on the defensive line, which I was concerned about for a while, but Neil Farrell coming back, Joseph Evans moving from offense to defense. I look at that name, the kind of the list of names there on the defensive line, feel pretty good about it. Joseph Evans is a name that we've heard for a couple of years now, ever since he really came from Haynesville down to Baton Rouge. If you remember last year, that was kind of one of the names that every time Coach O got in front of a mic, he mentioned. Now, he's a young player, he played a little bit, but they were expecting big things from him this year, and so much so that – they didn't know what the center position was going to look like. You didn't know Liam Shanahan, who never played center, coming over from Harvard, was going to take reins of that job. So they moved Joseph Evans kind of, uh, hey, just in case because we know we might be short at this position. And once Liam shored that position up, they said, okay, we're not going to just waste this guy. We're not going to just stick him as the backup center or a backup guard. We're going to move him back because he is one of the guys, that's a, you know, one of the top 30 football players on this team. So we got to find a role for him. And so he has earned that right. And credit to him for kind of going – back and forth and finding his way to get on the depth chart. So I'm excited to see what he can do in a Puaika, right? Okay, Tyler Shelvin's not here. You're here, right? A lot of hype coming in. You played well last year as a freshman. 
it's your defensive line now. Yep. What can you do as the game changer? Yeah, we need to see durability out of him. Can yeah. he play extended snaps? If he can, he can be a, a difference maker. All right, let's get to some over-unders. Um, these are completely made up. They are not You set made. the lines or did you ask for help here? No, I set them oh, great. completely by myself. I did ask Twitter. I got a couple responses. Uh, I'm not going to go based off of those just because um, I don't listen. <laughs> I'm going to ask people. for your help, but I'm not going to listen I'm to you. I'm super stubborn. Um, but here we go. I, I made these up. I have. To, I think I have to say this. I think I'm legally required to say this. Um, I'm not. These are not like actual gambling picks. They are just numbers that we're picking for fun. I think you should I, put your disclaimer voice. on, yeah. like real professional. And what's what's a disclaimer voice? I know like a dis. It's like really quick and re- really. Oh, stern. like the radio thing that yeah, they do yeah, at the yeah, very yeah. end of it. Right, like, right. Yeah, T Bob's really good at it. Yeah, I, maybe we'll just like get T Bob to record one for us, and then yeah. we'll come copy paste it and. To the audio here. All right, um, let's start with quarterback Miles Brennan. I'll the, here's how this works. I will say the number, and then you can just tell me over under and you put the pressure on me. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So Miles, and what's nice about over unders this year is it's a ten game schedule, so it's really easy. You can just think of it like in per okay. game okay. stats, That's and then true. multiply by That's ten, true. move the decimal. Um, all right, Miles Brennan, two thousand nine hundred and ninety nine point five passing yards, oh, over, over or under. Over. You say that with lots of confidence. Oh, lots of confidence, yes. Over. So you're thinking LSU. And I realize what that's an average per game. It's 300 yards per game. You're yeah. thinking he's going to eclipse that. Okay. Um, you're really confident on that. I was going to actually take the under um, just because I feel like this will be a slightly more run-oriented team. So I'm thinking like 280 per game. And oh, it passing and then maybe make up the difference there with the running game. What did Joe – Joe was at about 375 yards per game mm-hmm. last year, um, if, if I remember correctly. I'm going to go with under, but only slightly. I think it's like 28.50. I think he's like at 28.50. A couple games with big 300s, but a couple games low 200s, okay. and you're totally rock. That's all game. fair. I, I do think that uh, you make a good point about the running game and being dedicated to the run maybe early in the season. Okay. So what I'm realizing now is that some of these are going to affect future answers. We'll get to that in a second because if you're thinking 3,000 3, passing yards on the season, that's – Does Do I get to include the ball game? Any, yeah, any you, bowl, can game. Game. you can have the bowl game. You can have the bowl game. Absolutely. Any postseason games, you can have them. Okay, passing touchdowns, Miles Brennan, 20 poor, uh, excuse me, 24.5 over under. Oh, over. Man, you are you are on the Miles Brennan track. Like, I am, man, I, I am. And, and and maybe it's because of my history at LSU and, and what my quarterback did, Matt Flynn, and maybe that holds a place in, in my heart for like, it's kind of the same things we're talking yeah. about Chris Curry, but times 10, right? Yep. In this day and age, a quarterback that talented to stay the course, to not complain, blame somebody else, and go play somewhere else, that goes a long way with me. And, and remember, this is even a different case because he pushed Danny Etling as a starter, as a true he freshman. Did. Like he played in Tuscaloosa as a true freshman. And then Joe Burrow comes and you sit out a couple of seasons and you have to be a spectator and you still didn't transfer. Man, that goes a long way for me. And so this is his opportunity, and I know the work that he's put in. I know the things that he's changed in his lifestyle to be able to completely focus on being a starting quarterback at LSU. So yeah, I, I'm on, I'm on the hype train, and I realize what the numbers uh, you know say. And I know your ten games, and you you don't have your your normal allotment there. But yeah, I'm a believer. I like it. Uh, I'm gonna go with over on this one, over twenty four point five. I'm gonna say he gets twenty five exactly, two and a half per game. Um, that's, if we were talking fantasy football here, it's like how much of a vulture is Chris Curry? Gonna be? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's where these things. That's where these things get fun. Um, I, I will say this: 
the other aspect of it is not just the 10-game schedule, but there are no cupcakes. There are no yeah, – it is no 10 games, school. SEC. Yeah. There is no chance to you know throw five in the first half and get out of there. So he's going to have to earn every single one of them. But I'll take the over there. I think he's going to be right at 25. I think 28-50 passing, 25 touchdowns. Interceptions, 7.5 over-under. Ooh. How many did Joe throw last year? Joe threw six last year in 15 games. I'm going to go over while you think about it. I, I do. Th- I think that's the one thing we're going to see from Miles Brennan this year. I don't think he's going to be a turnover machine. Um, I think he will get better as the season goes on. But that's the one area that has always been not a knock on him, but just an area that he's had yeah. to focus on improving. And I think it's going to be, again, right. I think he's going to be right at eight. I yeah, think I, there's, there's a game where he has one. There's a game he has two. By the end of the year, I would bet those last four games, it's like, one or two tops. I agree with you. I think I can see something like 30 touchdowns, you know, nine interceptions. Yeah. I, I think that's something because you're going to be putting the ball in the air, obviously at a high clip like you did a year ago. And, you know, maybe out of the gates with not having a typical all season, maybe there is a coverage breakdown. Maybe there's a communication issue with a young receiver. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, somewhere in the uh, nine, 10 range. Yeah. And that's still three to one, which if you'd have told me like, three years ago, two years ago, that you're going to have an LSU quarterback that's <laughs> worth talking about throwing for 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions, everyone would have signed up yes. for that. So if that's what Miles does this year, we'll all be thrilled. All right, running backs. Over-under, 0.5, 1,000-yard backs. Oh, man. this So this is oh this is the difficult one. I knew it was coming. Ten-game schedule. I knew it was coming. Ten-game schedule and three backs. I'm gonna, I, yeah, I'm going to go under. Okay. If we had a normal season and a normal length of games, I think you have an 1,100-yard rusher yep. and a 600-yard rusher and a 400-yard rusher. Okay. What, you know, whatever those numbers kind of play out. Kind of like, you know, we've talked about so many times, 017, where that's kind of our breakdown. Um, but having 10 games, having three guys, possibly four, we, as we hear Coach O talk, and Miles is going to get some runs as well, I think you'll go under there. Okay, 2.5, 400-yard backs, over or under. Do three guys get to 400 yards? Under, I think, I think two get well over it, and I think you have one at three hundred. Right, right at three hundred. Yeah. Okay. Uh, most touchdowns. Oh, Terrace Marshall. No, I'm oh, sorry, running backs. Oh, running, running backs. backs. I was about to say he's a touchdown machine. Oh, Chris Curry. I mean, okay. it, just with, with his his makeup, with with his strengths being you know towards the goal line. If you're inside the five yard line, he's gonna get a couple cracks yep. at it. Okay, so speaking of Terrace Marshall, he said on the podcast earlier this summer before the schedule was announced. That his goal was, let me get this right in my head, 20 touchdowns and 100 catches. That was the two goals that he had. Now, in this season, that would be 10 catches a game, two touchdowns a game. <laughs> that would be unreal. He yeah. is certainly capable of it. But I'm going to set the over-under at basically 100 yards per game, one touchdown per game. So it's 999.5 yards receiving, 9.5 touchdowns. Over-under on either of those. Yeah, I think he goes – over on the touchdowns, for sure. I, I think it's, he's such a, a red zone target, and I realize what Eric Gilbert is as well. But even with the three-headed monster that we had a year ago and Thaddeus Moss and Clyde Edwards-Elair, he was on a touchdown rampage yep. before he got hurt, and then he finished it on a rampage. And so I'll go over there. Me too. Uh, yards, ah, 10 games, so difficult. 100 per game. I, I can see him in that 850 Okay, and and being the leading receiver, but having other guys, you know, also get a bulk of yards. Okay, I'm going to take the over here. I think he's going to get 100 per game and a touchdown per game. I think he's going to exceed both of those. So, Eric Gilbert, 749.5 
receiving yards, 7.5 touchdowns. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go over on both. Nice. Okay. Both. I am yeah. high tree. I yeah. am the conductor of that thing. Yeah. If you think Miles is going to throw for the yards that yeah. you've said and then Terrace is going to be at the yards that you said, then Eric's got to, I think, be the guy that makes up the difference. I'll go over, too. I know that I, I'm, I think I'm probably contradicting myself based on the number of yards that I said Miles would throw for. but A little bit. Um, but, but it's yeah. okay. That's what we're here for. That you, it's called hedging your bets. That yeah, way you get yeah, one yeah, thing yeah, right, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I'll go over. I think he's going to be a monster. I think he's going to be the second leading receiver uh, on the team. Tory Carter, devastating kickoff yes, hits landed. I'm here 9. for Nine point five over. Uh, over whatever number you set it on, I'm going to say over. He is a headhunter. <laughs> he should have been the Golden Neck Roll winner two times in a row. The Low Man Award going to what's the Golden the Neck Roll? Uh, it's the nation's best fullback. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know Low Man is. Is, is that the same award? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, it's the okay. Gold, the That's golden, the trophy. Yeah, the golden. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and the low man award. I, I'm on the committee, and I voted for him twice. He's been in the finals this twice. Is the year. This has to be. Let's make the, the push. Year. Let's make the push happen. I mean, come on. Year. Who who catches bodies on special teams more than Tory Carter? It's the thing I'm going to miss most about not traveling to the road games this year is, you know, the one one of the advantages of being in the press box. You can watch the whole kickoff, the whole field. The camera's not just following the ball. And I watch Torrey Carter every time, and every time he is crushing somebody. <laughs> and sometimes he maybe hits yeah, people a little I, too hard. I got in trouble. I got in trouble with uh, Coach McMahon. He was like, "Hey, Hess, what's up? Let's let's uh, let's talk some some kickoff stuff." And he's like, "Hey, what was uh, what was one of your favorite things that we did a year ago?" And this is in the offseason. I said, "Well." When when Tory got in trouble <laughs> in Atlanta, he goes, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "Coach, I, you know that's that's kind of a position I play." And then he's like, "Okay, I understand it, but other than that, but gosh, I love it." If I were on the kickoff receive team when LSU was kicking off, I would find oh. Tory and I would get as far away from him as possible. It's quite scary. Derek Stingley, five and a half interceptions over under. Our team's going to test that's him enough the trick. to get the interception. That's the trick. The thing. If they do, over. But I don't think they will. So I'll take under here. I think the opposite, right, whoever's on the other side is is going to have a lot of opportunities because when you look over there and you see 24, who was maybe the best defensive player in the country as a true freshman, and all we hear is he's getting better, yeah, stay away from that side of the field. It's LSU is going to take a third of the field away depending yep. on where he's lined up. He was – um. He was like either the first or second most targeted cornerback in the country last year. That is not going to happen again this year. Patrick Peterson, by the way, had one interception his first year, two his second year, four his third year, but teams stopped throwing at him too. Yep. So, And that's in a, a full schedule. I'm going to say under for the same reason because I just don't think teams are going to throw yeah. at him. I think he's just going to take away. Uh, Derek Stingley, punt return touchdowns, 0.5 over under. Okay, so this was a conversation on my show yesterday. I realize that LSU has had a, a really good history of having their best defensive player return punts, Honey Badger, Pat Pete. We've talked about them so many times. It makes me nervous sometimes when I have my best defensive player back there. I get though. it. And I realize that, you know, those guys were game changers. I think there's other people on the team Ooh, you make a good point. that could handle the duties and 24 could be over there making adjustments on the sideline. You know, uh, God, that's a good point. You know, a guy like Trey Palmer, uh, I've been championing for him a long time to be their returner. He's had a punt return for a touchdown already in his LSU history, and I realize that Stingley's dynamic as well. But, again, you have other options that can be dynamic. 24 on the sideline would be my call. And corner is not the deepest spot for LSU. Darren Evans does come in from Nichols and give you some more depth there, but 
uh, of all the people that you want to see health, healthy for the whole season, <laughs> 24 is at the very, 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 very top of the list. So, oh, man, I'm going to take the over. I think he's going to return them all year, though, and I think he's going to bring yeah. at least one back. Uh, Jacoby Stevens, more sacks or interceptions. Not an over-under, but more mm. sacks or interceptions. Sacks. Sacks. No and On the attack with yeah, Bo Pelini. No and Sacks. Leading sacker. That's a great one. I ha- so I, it's hard because I have a list of names. Uh, B.J. Ojolari, Andre Anthony, Trevez Moore, Allie Gay, Damone Clark, Jabril Cox, Jacoby Stevens, Philip Webb. My first my first thought was B.J. Ojolari. Yeah. Because I think when you start talking about third downs, he is going to be a guy on the edge that wreaks havoc. That's my first initial thought. But, it's you know, I want to go almost a linebacker. I almost want to go Damone Clark. Yeah. I, I, Incredible I, pass rusher. His, I'll tweet his numbers later. His pass rush productivity last year was off the charts yeah. for a linebacker. So he could be especially lethal there. I like that pick. I'm like, and, and I think the, the ends, too, it's not it's not really a shot on them, but I think there's just a lot of, of movement as far as this guy's going to play on first and second down, this guy's yeah. going to be a third down guy, and you're going to see probably five a bodies. Share. Yeah. And so you won't really have the reps to get it at, at the end position. I'm tempted to take Jacoby, but – it's, I was, just, it's just hard from the safety spot. Yeah, Damone's a good pick. I'm gonna go with Ojolari. Just you know, I think he's the best pass rusher on the team because Coach O told me that. Uh, Cade York longest field goal, 54.5 yards over under. Last year's longest 52. Over. over, over. I'm smashing the over. Yeah, he's gonna flirt with 60 at some point in his career. When he when he when he kicks in warm ups, it's it, this, the leg strength that he has and the ones that he made last year, like plenty of clearance. Right. All right, let's get a couple mailbag questions. Uh, I think we have to start with Scott Burns um, because he's our most consistent question asker at Scott Burns Econ on Twitter. Uh, would Jacob Hester, 18, like to replace our left side hitter or back row specialist on our Tuesday night beach volleyball team at Mangoes for tonight's mm. game of the century? So the trolley ballers, uh, the yeah. team that I'm on, left sided hitter, uh, play the team that beat us in the first game. Mm. Now, the first game we played this year was my literal first ever beach volleyball game. We lost in the third set. On what'd you call it? Like overtime, basically. I don't know what they call it in volleyball. You can tell I'm new to the sport. Yeah. Um, basically, it was like you have to win by two. It got to that point. Right. Like, it was deuce, and you have to win by two. And I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure at least. But we lost by two in the third set. My first game ever. I have improved. I'm still not great. I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> Scott has gotten better. Uh, Felipe is a superstar at the back. Jesse played at St. Joe's. She's really great okay. setter. Do you think you would be better than me? Uh, I I do not. So. The good Lord made me good at two sports, uh, football and soccer. Okay. That, that's like the two sports that he gave me ability in. I don't think uh, volleyball would be one of them. My volleyball knowledge stops at Maverick and Iceman. <laughs> it's basically, that's all it is. That's really. kind of where Our it shirts stops. are off. We're wearing blue jeans. It's, yeah. it's very- Aviator uh, glasses yeah. at I mean, Miramar if you're looking in for San eye, Diego. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking for eye candy- um, don't don't go there. Although Felipe, I'd say go there. Felipe and Jesse are. are I yeah, and, and Tuesday, so in Tuesday nights, I do have uh, the Irish football practice. Uh, Hudson Hester's first grade, and we did not pick the team name. By the way, they they chose that for us. And as you can see, like all I do oh, is that's what that is. I, see, uh, yeah, I saw that drawn up all, there. All I do is draw up plays and try to come up with names nice. that the kids can remember. Nice, I like that. Like all day. You know, what we haven't talked about it at all. I feel terrible. This is my fault. We didn't talk about Mississippi State at all. We do have a question about Mississippi State LSU's opponent. Uh, on Saturday, and I feel like a dummy for not getting to them. Um, but at Go Tigers forty on Twitter asks, ask Jacob to break down the reason for Leach's wide splits on the offensive line, 
how he thinks Pelini will attack that. Somebody else asked about um, Mike Leach. Oh, John Josh Bush asked uh, at I'm not going to say his ad. I can't even. It's like a bunch of letters. Uh, but Josh Bush on Twitter asked, how do coaches prepare for Mike Leach offense at State when there's zero film of his offense with State personnel? How will Pelini, uh, or since there's no film on Pelini, who has the advantage? So I guess just kind of that matchup. Yeah, so in the Mike Leach offense, a lot of people hear air raid and they think, oh, there must be a million plays, when in fact, it's honestly, it's a couple of things that yeah. they do really well. And they'll disguise those things and they'll bring different formations. But the concepts, like everybody has their play sheets, right? And, and they've almost turned into poster I'm boards. I'm like, here's there. Oh, yeah, it, oof. <laughs> it's kind of bad that I, I draw plays up all day, but it turns into like poster boards, right? Well, Mike Leach has a note card. That, that's how small his play yeah. sheet really is. And they try to do it, as y'all know, as fast as they possibly can. And I am so intrigued by what they're going to do. Are they going to have the wide splits that we know? Because it's a different speed in the SEC than it is in other places that he's been. Why do they do the wide splits for us dumb non-football people? So he's done. He's done. I think he's done that throughout his entire career, and he felt like that gave them an advantage. I, w- I would have to go back and see the origin yeah. of why they do it. But teams have tried to attack it, and they have not had success. Hey Siri, why does Mike Leach use wide splits? Oh, I didn't have my audio. Oh, I blew it. I'd love to hear her answer. Hey Siri, why does Mike Leach use wide splits? What take it out? Leach used wide splits. Yeah, Siri thought Check I said. It out. Siri thought I said, what take it out bleach used white splits. It, <laughs> so, Siri did not give me any. So, uh, initially, I know that it was almost like the gimmick because he knew that they couldn't line up and do a basic protection. Yeah, he and was so, recruiting smaller offensive linemen, right? Yes, and so he thought in space that would be a better advantage for them, uh, almost like the 11-yard shotgun we used to do at Evangel Christian uh, because we couldn't block – if we had a five-yard shotgun, so we gave our quarterback 11 <laughs> yards to get the ball out of his hands. Kind of like how I used to squat under center with my butt yeah, on Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a great story uh, last week. But what's he going to do with Kylan Hill? Kylan Hill had more rushes last year as an individual than Washington State has as a team yep. a year ago. So, and, and really, I think it was 30 more rushes just by himself. So how do they implement him? He's one of the most talented running backs in the country, but that does not fit the MO of a Mike Leach team. Now they're going to throw him the football, but as far as running game, he likes to run a lot of zone. You can't run power with those wide splits. You, you won't get it done. If you try to run power with those wide splits against LSU, you're going to hit yeah. in the backfield. So, yeah. you know, that's what Kylan Hill was really good at, you know, in the, in the uh, Joe Moorhead era. So how do they utilize him because he's their best player? Yeah, I'll mention this just to kind of cover our Mississippi State quota since I totally ignored it. Um, KJ Costello, their quarterback, Stanford transfer, comes in running the air raid. I just looked up a stat on him last year. He, did he lose the job at Stanford? Is that what happened? Like I was looking at the data, he basically just stopped playing after four or five games. I'm assuming he lost the job. I don't know if he lost it or got hurt. I thought uh, I thought he got injured. Okay, so I maybe, thought he got injured and got Wally Pip. Okay, so maybe that's what happened. I, I didn't follow Stanford at all last year. I was busy. Why would you following another team? It's a long uh, way as away. You can imagine. But basically, his numbers last year when he was not pressured, his NFL pass rating was like 103 or something. Mm-hmm. Very very good numbers. When he was pressured, his NFL pass rating was 18. One eight, great number by the yeah, way. Great number, but not when you're talking passer. Not rating. when you're talking passer rating. So the year before it was a little closer. I think it was like a hundred when he was clean, eighties yeah. when he was uh, pressured. But get pressure on him, and Bo Pelini knows that. So yeah. So a, a lot of why did they go get him from a pro style offense at Stanford to run the air raid? Mike Leach saw something that he thought he could turn into an air raid quarterback, and so so much unknown in this game, and that's why we hadn't really talked to Mississippi State because. New offensive coordinator, obviously, with Leach. New defensive coordinator, new quarterback. Everything's new. We don't really know. We didn't have an offseason. So we're going to find out a lot on Saturday, just like everybody else is. Yeah, and they also uh, – 
they did list Will Rogers, their freshman quarterback, as the or starter. Now Costello's going to get the start, but Rogers could be a guy that comes in. So we'll see. Uh, for more Mississippi State talk, listen to Hanging with Hester and Hanny. I'm sure you guys will be breaking it down later in the week. And uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review like uh, like Jake, like uh, Tubba. Was Tubbo. it Tubba? Tubbo. Like Tubbo told you to yeah. do. And uh, we'll see you next time. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said fight, fight, fight. Victory for, victory for, victory Victory.